Over the years, we've talked a great deal about sedentary behavior, lifestyle, and the impact it has on people's health. Well, there is definitely a dramatic impact on people's health. We're going to talk about it today on Primary Care Today on ReachMD. My guest today is Dr. Wendy King, Associate Professor of Epidemiology at the University of Pittsburgh Graduate School of Public Health. And we're going to talk a little bit about sedentary behavior and some of the findings in a report that she and her team produced, published in the journal Preventive Medicine. First of all, welcome to the program. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about this. Now, I mean, obviously most of us know that if we're not moving around a bit, that's probably not the best thing for us. But these are some dramatic implications about sedentary lifestyle and also the interaction with whether you exercise or not. Tell me a little bit about it. Well, so most of our research in looking at physical activity and health outcomes has really focused more on exercise over the years. And when we talk about exercise, we're usually talking about activity that's structured and it's done specifically for health benefits, although some people also just do it for fun. (laughs) And there's lots of evidence that shows it's important to get moderate and vigorous intensity physical activity. So that's activities such as brisk walking or jogging or swimming, and that that type of activity improves cardiovascular health and metabolic health, so it can help prevent diabetes, for instance. And our current national physical activity guidelines really focus on this exercise or moderate and vigorous intensity physical activity. For instance, the guidelines suggest that adults should get at least 150 minutes per week or about 30 minutes a day of this type of activity. The guidelines also specify that more activity is better than none, but there isn't any type of recommendation specific to sedentary behavior. And it's just really in the last few years that we've spent a lot more time investigating how sedentary behavior affects health. And we're seeing a lot of that now. I've noticed lots of reports, especially those of us who sit a lot at work and we don't move around quite a bit, that there is a dramatic impact from that. Let's talk about that for a minute. It's, it does seem like it's all coming out right now and that it, we didn't know as much before. How has the knowledge base changed and why are we focusing so much on it? One of the reasons we're focusing on it now, I think, is that lifestyles have really changed. And so people used to be able to get a lot more activity from their daily lives through their occupation. But also just things, if you think about online shopping as opposed to going out and shopping, we've figured out a way to engineer activity out of our lives, and we're more efficient in one sense, but we're also much more sedentary. Sedentary behavior has been looked at in relationship to, for instance, back pain with sitting, but also we're learning much more about how it might affect our metabolic health and our cardiovascular health. So studies have started first by asking people, you know, how much do you sit a day, and then From there, we know that self-report is inductive, so we've moved on to measuring sedentary behavior with activity monitors. Still, it's not the ideal situation because a waist-worn or an ankle-worn or wrist-worn monitor isn't going to be perfect, but we've been getting better and better at figuring out how we can measure sedentary behavior from activity monitor data. So more recent data has shown a link between sedentary behavior measured objectively and health outcomes in specific populations. The study that we just published took it a step further in that we looked both in a population where people haven't focused before in adults with severe obesity who are at higher risk of poor cardiovascular and metabolic health. And then also we took a unique perspective in how we measured sedentary time from activity monitor data. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. With me is my guest, Wendy King. Uh, She is a Ph.D. lead author and associate professor in the Department of Epidemiology at the University of Pittsburgh School of Public Health. You bring up a really interesting point. It's interesting. My wife and I were out shopping, preparing to go on a trip, and I'm in the store looking at clothes and things, and there's pretty much nothing in my size. I'm you know, an average-sized person, but there was nothing we could find. And my wife mentioned, well, you know, stores don't carry what they used to. That's one of the reasons why 
Um, I often don't go to stores anymore. I just buy things online. If you know your size, it's a lot easier. And I was looking around the store, and exactly what you were talking about, not as many people shopping, not as many people in there, and not as many people willing to help you, probably because they can't sustain uh, the business uh, because so many people are online. But that does mean, I mean, I would, I have a Fitbit. I'm walking around. I put on like 12,000, 13,000 steps just walking around shopping. All of that goes away if you're sitting online. Right. So we've we've gotten clever and figured out ways to do things more efficiently. There's been some commercials for the Roomba, which is a, a robotic vacuum, so that while you're at work, your house can get vacuumed and you come home and it's done. And I think as there's many households where all the adults are working and very busy, we've tried to get more efficient and do things more easily and quickly. But often that means that we're doing less physical things and more sitting. I would think, obviously, you had a sense you were going to get the results you did just by experience and working in it. But were you shocked with the numbers and and what you really found out that it was as bad uh, as it turned out to be? No, I mean, I think what's really interesting, though, is some of the studies previous to ours that have looked at sedentary behavior and these outcomes haven't controlled for the amount of moderate and vigorous activity people do or the amount of exercise they do. And because we can assume that people that exercise more are less sedentary, it's really important that when we look at sedentary behavior, specifically with health outcomes, that we're controlling for the fact that exercise level. It was interesting to see when we did that, that we still found these associations. So independent of how much exercise people were doing, the amount of sedentary behavior was related to these health outcomes. And we specifically looked in adults with severe obesity where um, they, as a group, may have more sedentary behavior, but there was actually quite a bit of variation in the amount of sedentary behavior they did, and that variation seems to be important. So I think that was what was um, particularly interesting about the findings. Let's break that down a little bit. So in other words, what you're saying is Maybe somebody has a real sedentary job. Maybe they're working at a computer all day and they're they're sitting and they're in sales, whatever. They're just not moving around. And they try to make up for it with exercise in the evening. The the sedentary job more or less outweighs the fact that they're trying to make up for it. Is that what you're saying? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there's two people and they both exercise 15 minutes a day. Okay. And one is more sedentary than the other. That sedentary behavior can have a detrimental effect on their health even – so because you're controlling for the fact that those two people exercise the same amount. And so if one person had exercised 45 minutes a day and the other 15, and you were comparing their sedentary time without taking into account that exercise, you wouldn't be getting a, a good sense of the real picture there. So in this study, we specifically, when we looked at the relationship between how sedentary people were in these health outcomes, we controlled for how old they were. We controlled for how active they were. We controlled for if they have depressive symptoms. We controlled for all these other factors so we could see really the true relationship between sedentary time and the health outcome. Okay, so now I got it. So essentially what you're saying is if I have two patients, for instance, and both of them are exercising half an hour a day, that patient who may be sitting all day versus the other person who may be, I don't know, he's delivering packages and then he exercises, that lost time during the day, despite the fact you're uh, exercising the evening, um, is worse than if you had a job where you can move around. And, and and that makes sense. Does that mean then the person who's sedentary, based on what you found, needs to exercise even more in the evening than the other person to try to make up for that difference? We don't know that much yet in terms of what would be the best intervention. I think at this point, people are aiming more to break up that sedentary time. So rather than saying, well, we know you're going to be sedentary for nine hours straight, you need extra exercise. What we're trying to do is say, instead of having nine hours of sedentary time straight, 
how can you work some activity into that time? Can you get up and talk to a coworker instead of shooting them an email? Can you take the stairs instead of the elevator? Can you go to the coffee shop four blocks away instead of the one one block away? So just kind of finding ways to break up sedentary time so you don't have these long bouts of sitting. Maybe preferable rather than trying to just count on the fact that you have to be sedentary for this huge amount of time and then try to make it all up later because that doesn't work so well for people. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Brian McDuddy, your host, and I'm speaking right now with Dr. Wendy King, Associate Professor of Epidemiology at the University of Pittsburgh Graduate School of Public Health. And, you know, you're bringing up a very important point for those of us in practice, and obviously the audience here are are primary care physicians, that if we're talking with our patients, this tells us really more that, yes, talk to them about the importance of exercise. Yes, talk to them about 30 minutes a day, five days a week, you know, the American Heart Association recommendation, all those things. But also, we really have to start advising them and maybe even giving them tips and techniques how to get those breaks and get moving during the day. Right. So I think that is one of the take-home messages is that based on our research and other research that has come out recently, it really feels like we need to put more emphasis on the sedentary behavior. Certainly, it seems like it's a behavior independent of exercise and that just like exercise has its own guidelines, eventually we probably will need guidelines for sedentary time. But in the meantime, while we're building up more evidence, certainly helping patients think about ways that they can either break up sedentary time that they have to do, for instance, sitting at a desk at work, or thinking of ways that they can replace some sedentary behaviors at home with some less sedentary behaviors as well would be helpful. In your article about the work you've done, it says that in the United States, 15% of adults have severe obesity, placing them at high risk for cardiovascular and metabolic diseases and premature mortality. And obviously, you alluded to the fact you looked at that group in particular. Once again, can tell us a little bit of what you found uh, with the obese population in particular. Well, we were particularly interested in this group because of a couple of reasons. One, because they have higher risk for these outcomes. And um, two, because this is a group that tends to not have high levels of exercise. And so when you're figuring out how to intervene on a population, you want to try to think of things that are both realistic and maybe stepping stools to higher levels of activity. And the other thing that's interesting is as sedentary maybe adults of healthy weight, really there hasn't been a lot of research looking at their activity in sedentary level. So what we found is quite a bit of variation in how sedentary this group was. One of the points I haven't made yet that I think is important is we actually looked at different ways of measuring sedentary behavior from activity monitor data. So there's actually debate in the field regarding how to best derive meaningful indices of sedentary time. Um, Most studies that have used activity monitors have measured all minutes below a set threshold as sedentary time, even if those minutes occur individually or in very short bouts. But we know that sedentary behavior has a prolonged um, nature to it. So, for instance, if people are watching a television program or working, shopping online or working at their computer at their desk, they're not doing it in one-minute increments. So in order to try to capture what is true sedentary behavior, in addition to counting all minutes below a set threshold of sedentary time, we had a requirement where they had to have at least 10 minutes at a time for it to count as sedentary time, and then also a requirement of at least 30 minutes at a time to count as sedentary time. So we had three different measures of sedentary time. Does that make sense how I explained it? It it does. And I mean, it shows you were able really to get a well-designed study looking at things in a way perhaps... Others have not in the past, because you're right, they haven't been able to select out these variables. Right. So when we so we actually did the analysis three times. And in the first analysis, every minute without steps was counted as sedentary time. 
In the second version of the analysis, only periods that were 10 minutes or longer without any steps were counted as sedentary time. And then the third time we ran it, only periods with no steps for at least 30 minutes or longer were counted as sedentary time. And we found similar variation in sedentary time with all three definitions, meaning that if we required just one minute at a time, for instance, the median sedentary time per day was 9.3 hours per day, the bottom quartile was eight hours, and the top quartile was 10 and a half hours. So there was pretty good variation there. If we required the bouts to be at least 10 minutes, the median number was six and a half hours, and the bottom was around five hours, and the upper quartile was eight hours. So again, like a three-hour variation in the, in the middle 50% of participants. So within this group of adults with severe obesity, there's quite a bit of variation in how much sedentary time people have. It's not uniform across the group. When we did the analysis, we found that when we used the requirement of at least 10 minutes with no steps to count as sedentary time as our definition, the associations with our health outcomes like diabetes and metabolic syndrome and waist circumference were strongest. So that gives us the idea that previous studies that have allowed only one minute or two minutes or three minutes below a threshold to count as sedentary time may have not captured the full association between sedentary time and health outcome. We need to look more carefully at how we define sedentary time from activity monitor data. Dr. King, we only have about 30 seconds left. Is there a final point that you wanted to make that you wanted to stress for our audience? At this point, I think we really have good evidence that we need to do further work in looking at sedentary behaviors related to health outcomes with some clinical trials where we intervene and have some groups decrease their sedentary time in different ways. But in the meantime, I think in terms of primary care physicians and clinicians, that it's just important to keep this discussion going at all appointments when possible. There's times when people are more open to talking about their activity level and behavior change than others. And with healthcare professionals continuing to be encouraging to both increase exercise, but also to decrease sedentary time with activity breaks and alternative activities that patients can make positive health changes. Dr. Wendy King, Associate Professor of Epidemiology at the University of Pittsburgh Graduate School of Public Health. I want to thank you for taking the time to join us on Primary Care Today. Thank you. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you happen to miss part of this, please visit reachmd.com slash primarycaretoday. You can download the podcast and you can learn more on the series. Thank you for listening.